This week on the Heartland Pod, I have an opening statement about what we learned from the 2022 cycle. Then I'm joined by Rachel Parker and Sean Diller for Talk in Politics, where we're going to cover the standout Kansas results, Missouri's tempered return to a supermajority, the MAGA death rattle, the midterms purple drink, and a last call preview. Lots to do, so let's go. Welcome back to the Heartland Pod. My name is Adam Summer. I am your host. This is the regular Monday show, our Talking Politics show with myself, Adam Summer, and my co-hosts, Rachel Parker and Sean Dealer, who will join us in just a moment. Together, we bring big topics of the week with a special focus on the Heartland as we bring our middle-out approach to politics and work to change the conversation with our show's five days a week, including the fly overview every Friday with a quick rundown of the stories impacting the heartland from the past week with Kevin Smith. Follow us on all the social medias with at the heartland pod. That's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and visit our website to get links to our entire family of shows at heartlandpod.com. And you can learn about our hosts there and you can click a link to join our Patreon family. That's at heartlandpod.com. And you know, with, uh, with things going the way they are with social media, who knows uh, how we'll be able to connect to one another. So getting signed up on Patreon uh, is a great way to be a part of what's going on with other folks who are also interested in doing the same thing that we're doing and that you're probably interested in doing if you're watching uh, this show or listening to this show. I don't know why I said watching. I have no idea why I said watching. Uh, but that's the kind of stuff you're going to get here. So, uh, you know, in, in, inadvertent and unintentional humor from time to time. So... Uh, you can go to heartlandpod.com, heartlandpod.com, and get the link to Patreon. Two bucks a month and up. There's varying perks depending on what you sign up for, uh, including at the $5 a month or up level, you get the extra show, which is the last call, and there'll be a preview at the end of this show for that. All right, that's what we do here, and I uh, encourage you to go to the website, heartlandpod.com, to learn more. And uh, I'm going to do an opening statement for you about what we learned from the 2022 cycle, and then we'll jump right into talking politics with Rachel and Sean. So what did we learn from the 2022 midterm cycle? Well, I could go on for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. People will write entire doctoral theses based on data that comes out of the 2022 midterm cycle. But the bottom line is we can boil it down to be pretty simple which is what we learned at its core from the 2022 cycle is that America as a country, at the very center of it all, is a baseline value that we haven't lost. That there is a baseline value of decency toward one another, of neighborly behavior toward one another, of kindness, generosity of spirit, all of the things that make this country, what it has always been, the willingness to reach out a hand and help somebody else, to help a neighbor, to do what's right, the social contract, the social contract, that it still exists, that sometimes it's hard to see, sometimes it it seems like it's being stretched so thin that we can genuinely wonder if it still exists, but this election tells us that it's there, it's there. It might be covered up by a lot of stuff. It might be hard to see right now. It might be hard to read. Maybe there's some coffee stains on it. But it's there. The social contract is still there. We can get to it. We can access it. And we're still standing on it. We're still built on those guiding principles. 
that we all have to be in this together for it to work. And that when it tilts too far one direction, when it becomes too selfish or too needy or too petty or too personal about one thing, that the system just doesn't allow for that, that it won't stomach that in a broader picture. What we learned at home here in Missouri where I'm at, in states like Missouri, in states like Iowa, states like Kansas, is that you can win races as something other than a Republican. That the word Democrat by itself isn't the inhibiting factor that a lot of us might think that it is. That it can be done. But that there is so much more that needs to go into it. That the resources have to be there. Not just the money, but the people and the time and the expertise and the data and the knowledge. Money will only take you so far anyway. There's so much more to it than that. But that the word Democrat isn't enough for a Republican to win just because. Sure, there's still plenty of places where that is enough. But that's by itself, in a broader picture, it's not getting the job done for them the way that they were counting on it to get the job done. So what we learned is that we need to continue to stand up. We need to continue to speak out. We need to continue to be vocal, to be honest about what we feel about the policies and the positions that we need to take because people are listening. And what we really learned in 2022 is that we have to change the conversation together by having conversations with the folks that we might not want to have them with. That's how we get it done. Putting a face to a name, reaching out a hand, saying, this is who I am. This is what I believe. This is what I care about. And this is why. And that when you do that, when you have that honest conversation with somebody, the labels don't matter anymore. And that's what we learned from the 2022 cycle. Now here's talking politics. Talking politics. All right, we're here for talking politics. I've got Rachel Parker. I've got Sean Diller, and uh, we'll do the normal niceties. But I think Rachel has the an appropriate opening question for this session of talking politics. So, Rachel, lead it off. What's the thing I just said about Sean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. You totally teed it up, and I was like, doy, doy. Um, yeah. So right before Adam hit record, I I asked my my good friend and cohort and colleague. Sean Diller, like, man, how does it feel to have just gone through your first season of being uh, a political strategist and a podcaster at the same time? Like, that's kind of like you had a lot. You wore a lot of hats, man. Yeah, no, it's been it's really cool because the feeling keeps coming back to me. um, And it's kind of stunning, honestly. And the only thing that I could think of was when I graduated law school, not to make myself out to be some kind of smarty pants type. (laughs) um, (laughs) You know, we spent two years working with candidates and PACs and the podcast, you know, looking towards this moment of the midterm election. And then, you know, not only did we complete the mission, you know, we got it behind us, uh, we won. And I just couldn't be more thrilled. And it sets us up with tons of momentum looking ahead, you know, like when I quit my job to become a political consultant, leaning on basically my law degree, some old campaign experience, and just a ton of passion and fury at 
you know, Trump and what was going on. When I did that, when I took that leap, the Democrats were completely out of power. Like they're, you know, they were dead. They were, <laughs> they looked dead that, you know, Hillary Clinton, the worst nominee ever had just gotten beaten ever. by Donald Trump. <laughs> the worst, the other worst nominee ever. Yeah. Yeah. And so the difference now compared to when I started, um, you know, is just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really humbled and grateful and really stunned, honestly. Yeah, that's pretty wild. That's pretty wild. Are there any races before we go into our north? Because I'm just curious, and we're gonna do we're gonna do a bit of a deep dive uh, on this. Uh, the two of us are later this week. But is there anybody that you worked with or anything you worked on that you want to highlight? Like you worked on some really cool stuff, and I just want to and 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 some unsuccessful folks and you know primary races and things like that. But people who. I think you really personally um, believed in, and I just wanted to give you a chance to like shout some of those folks out. Thanks. No, that's really cool. Um, yeah. Like as soon as you, like the reason you work in politics is because you want to make a difference and not to say that most people do and most of what people do every day, like everybody wants to make a difference in something. So, um, but you know, you want to win and you want to have an impact. And so you know, to make an impact, we we will work with candidates who who don't really have that great a chance of winning. So in Eastern Colorado, we were working with a candidate named Ike McCorkle. He's a retired Marine. He was in the first group. He was a recon infantry Marine. And so he was in the first group uh, that invaded Baghdad in 2003. He was wounded multiple times, um, did his whole career until he was medically discharged 18 years in. So he's a few years older than me. And running against Ken Buck, who is, you know, a flat out white supremacist, unapologetic and terrible for the, uh, you know, the working people of that area. He's in the pocket of huge industry, even though he kind of parades around as a as a populist. And so working with Ike and, you know, letting the people know in that district, it's thousands of square miles, you know, that there is someone listening, that there is another choice. He had an important message to get out about the Republicans failure and betrayal of veterans on multiple issues. Um, so that was one that was really cool. And then something we were more successful at is, you know, this, this new eighth district, Colorado had a lot of population growth yeah. from 2010 to 2020. And we got a new brand new congressional district added to the state and the independent redistricting commission in Colorado drew it to be quite competitive. And the democratic nominee ended up being someone who I, had known before. And I was at her announcement when she was first running for state representative, probably like six years ago or something. It's Yadira Caraveo. She's a pediatrician. She's the daughter of immigrants. She had this amazing story. And this is such a working class area, this eighth district, um, you know, oil and gas employees and, um, you know, people who commute into Denver to work hospitality sort of jobs and healthcare jobs, all this sort of stuff. Her parents were immigrants from Mexico. And she talked about her dad telling her, she she learned how to crawl going back and forth in the in the bedroom of a single wide trailer from one wall to the other <laughs> and uh and then she became a a doctor she went to uc med school and then started practicing in her super working class community as a pediatrician and then she was counted out of this congressional race you know 538 and everybody who does yeah. who did polling predictions just went ahead and said that they expect her to lose by three or five points. And, you know, I just did not, I wasn't 
ready to swallow that. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I knocked on doors for her and, and uh, donated, but more importantly, we worked with this pack called the Colorado Turnout Project. And we targeted that district, the eighth district where Yadira Caraveo was running and Lauren Boebert's district, the third, as places where we were going to really, we spent a bunch of money, we basically raised and spent money to reach out to infrequent and younger voters, specifically places in Colorado that were often forgotten by both parties. And we were able to give a max contribution to the Colorado Coordinated Committee and we were able to make phone calls to voters, like 120,000 phone calls with this uh, uh, this message from a, a young a young woman who had survived a high school uh, shooting, um, and her you know concerns about the future, and and we also got with a group called Ride Share to Vote that was driving people to the polls, and then we ended up you know Bobert held on to her seat, looks like by barely a thousand votes out of 300,000 cast, but Yadira Caraveo beat the odds and she is now the Congresswoman for the eighth district, a daughter yeah. of immigrants, a pediatrician, a physician who really will speak for the people. And, you know, I just could not be more thrilled. In addition to that, like the Colorado turnout project is like technically, um, you know, we'll take credit for Michael Bennett, you know, smoking Joe O'Day too. <laughs> uh, Actually, that was one of my personally that. like my happy that was like one of my happy moments when i just saw like how at his very early lead and i was like oh man yeah. he's not O'Day's never gonna catch that guy yeah. it's just just fantastic yeah yeah absolutely very cool very cool well let's uh let's jump into our our topics for the evening and and there'll be some more of that stuff uh about not just colorado but the mountain west uh, now that we're through the election uh there's going to be more high country sean will have a little more time to Give us some high country episodes. So if you haven't been checking those out, uh, they've been kind of an every other Wednesday thing. Uh, those will start becoming uh, more more often. I won't say more regular because the day probably will uh, change from <laughs> from which days it gets put out. Uh, but but the frequency will increase uh, as we as we get out of the election cycle and there's less. You know, just just naturally, there's not going to be as many folks uh, running for state office that we are are doing twenty minutes with. So. We're going to fill time by doing some, you know, deep dive on some stuff, some analysis, maybe, you know, crunch some, crunch some things. It's going to be fun. The end of the year, and, yeah. the end of the year is going to be fun. We're going to, yeah, we're yeah. going to rock it out. And we have as local we, elections we here in Denver. You know, we've had our same mayor, Michael Hancock. He's finishing up his third term. Right. So there's a, a ton of great. Yeah, spring's running. right around. April's right around the corner. There's going to be lots yeah. of local elections. And I think that's a, that's a big part of, you know, when we talk about change the conversation, Part of that is like, let's not talk about just 2024. That's fun. But there's always yeah. these elections that are happening. And if folks haven't figured it out, I think this was the cycle that people figured out. Local, the more local the election, the more important it is to your day-to-day -day life. I mean, it just truly is. And so. and the roots that it has into the other, like, you know, offices mm -hmm. that end up going either to the Capitol or to, to the state Capitol or to the nation's Capitol. When you build that um, infrastructure locally, those are the people that have the sort of organizational intelligence, the yep. fundraising skills, the campaign skills, the gravitas, the experience and all that to go on to do um, other things later. So it's hugely important it that you pay attention to super local politics. That's, for sure. I, I talked about it last week in the open some about the idea of building foundations in court for evidence. It's no different than with politics. Like you can't you can't reach for the top shelf, you know, from an unstable base. You've got to have, you know, uh, <laughs> 
What Marvin Home Alone too, right? He, he built the thing to get up from the basement that collapsed after he. <laughs> <laughs> the ramshackle ladder yeah solid as a rock i was just i was just thinking of all the oh my gosh i was just thinking of all the warner brothers cartoons where like who the whoever the hell it is yeah know, just trying like to catch the rabbit just like of... all right here it goes and like the ladder is like barely balancing yeah and, yeah, yeah you whole... gotta have a solid foundation yes. if you want to reach yes. the top shelf so correct here it goes all right let's jump into uh true false here All right, the true or false is uh, about Kansas. We're going to jump across the border uh, to the west for me, to the east for Sean. Sharice uh, Davids is the brightest star in the heartland for Dems. I know for you know for our friends in Missouri, obviously, you know it's fun to talk about Corey Bush. It's fun to talk about you know Char Jones or maybe Mayor Q on the Kansas City side, and you know what's happening with Jason Kanner. Well, that's all. That's great, but. Sharice Davids won her race by double digits in a highly competitive district in a state that has been voting heavily for Republicans. She's the only she's the only Democrat that Kansas sends to D.C. Yes. Yes. And and she didn't just win. She won by a lot. She won by 12 by 12. Okay, that's a ton in this race and if you look at you know look at the same state for the governor's race laura kelly uh who won her race won her re-election race she won by two and a lot of the votes that allowed her to get across the finish line are the same votes that elected sharice davids so when you're talking about you know how important her race is to not just uh, herself and and the Democrats in general trying to hold on to as much of the House as possible, for her to have won by twelve and Kelly to have won by two, uh, to me speaks volumes to the kind of person that David's is, uh, the kind of politician that she is, the kind of public servant that she is, and I think it's a really big deal, uh, and it's it's why I wanted to bring it up that way. So that's why it's the true or false, uh, Rachel. What do you think, true or false, that she's our our brightest shining star right now? Well, I'll say like let's just remember where like if you if you kind of go from Midwest is such a strange. I th- I think there's some other interesting stars in mm-hmm. our region, but as far as our immediate neighbors, um, I really she was one of the, we talked about her a lot. Sean yeah. reminded me how uh, critical her seat was. It was supposed to be a close we race. We first started too. recording, yeah, and they re they redistrict. Like if you look at the way her district has been gerrymandered, mm-hmm. it's absurd. Like it just, you know, it looks like a an ink blot. Um and uh you know well, none of us expected it, they cut it down us, to yeah. like if you know Kansas a little bit, like it, it cuts across from Kansas City where a lot there's a ton of population right there. And then instead of continuing to go west toward Lawrence where the population picks back up it juts south where the population turns into yeah nothing yeah. I mean there's they really nothing. thought they really thought and so did we by the way that they had made that district unwinnable for her right so I think it probably goes to that she is certainly one of the brightest the shining stars in Kansas um definitely one of the shining stars in sort of the I'll say like the exurb uh, metroplex air like districts in the Midwest for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I, this has to have been some due to very, some very successful organizing after the 
um, abortion amendment that Kansas had to vote right. on during the um, primary cycle. So uh, just awesome. I mean, just so well done. I'm so happy with both those re- results. We talked about it a lot here. I'm so glad that she is still, she's such a, like, she's just one of those people who really just keeps her nose down and does the thing. Like she's mm-hmm. exactly the kind of person you want uh in Congress, and this was her second midterm success. So, um, just phenomenal, just incredible. I don't even know what else to say. I'm just so, I'm yeah. just really very, very, very relieved and grateful that she um, worked her ass off, obviously. A statistic I'll tack onto it because I think you're right about the organizing factor that that was a nice, uh, that talking about the foundation factor, right? That that built a really nice platform to uh, go into the general from. And so, Sean, I think this is a relevant number. Um, so total in Kansas, a little under a million votes cast, uh, about 950 or so, uh, about exactly 300,000. So roughly a third of the votes cast in Kansas for the governor's race for Laura Kelly that she won by two points, about a third of that came out of the Kansas 3rd District where Sharice Davids was running, and she took that by 12 points. I mean, from from where you sit as a as a political strategist and somebody who's, you know, doing that for a living, how significant is that as an, as an outcome? Yeah, totally. So, you know, I think it was, you know, we talked a lot or heard a lot about um, split tickets around the country this year. You know, how's this going to affect people in in Pennsylvania with Mastriano and Fetterman? And then we um, saw it in Georgia, Georgia, for sure. In Nevada, for sure. Yeah. Right, right. And here, I think we have a a situation where, you know, there were just two really strong and apparently popular Democrats at the top of the ticket. And, you know, Laura Kelly won Johnson County by 20 points. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if if there were like a Republican representing that area and abortion were the big issue, like maybe voters would have been as energized. but yeah, I think overall, you know, the the takeaway is that there are two really, really strong Democrats in Kansas right now, both, I think, probably very credible VP picks um, tomorrow, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ooh, that's interesting. Right. We I hadn't thought there. about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's really but, interesting. Yeah. Another thing Kelly for could, me, if, if Kelly were a man, they should be a consideration for a uh, presidential nominee eventually. Right. For sure. Already. Oh my God. For sure. She yeah. It'd be do, it'd be a st- it'd be a lead story on CNN right now. Oh my God. One hundred percent. Yeah. But she's two, not uh... two term governor from two term moderate yeah. governor from Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. Who clearly knows how to campaign and raise money, or she wouldn't still be the fucking governor right. of Kansas. Right. She seems like... so uh, mild mannered and just kind of like casual. I'll say uh, in oh, like absolutely. the the ads and things. Um, but you know, you don't become governor. You don't become a Democratic governor of a Republican state because you're, uh, you know, casual. And so, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if she was thinking about she's just this. She looks like a, a grandmother, but mm-hmm. she's a fucking powerhouse, I think, is what we figured out. And she <laughs> has and she has as many. Imagine if like a governor a, there, the like Missouri had a Democratic governor right now and what their life would be like. Right. And what like I, she's been through so many stupid fucking battles, the, the battles that she had to go through with her own legislature during COVID were Mm -hmm. fucking ridiculous. And she just kept vetoing insane shit 
and just being but like, look, I'm just trying to make sure I'm doing the right. I can't even keep them all straight because it was all just as crazy as Eric Schmidt filing suits against lawsuits against schools. Like it was that much like there was that much of an avalanche like coming at her all the time. And I just thought she showed I'm sure that there's things that people could say about her uh, in terms of being critical because she's probably had to sacrifice things on the left to be more in the center. She used to be more she used to be Republican, so on and so forth. But like the level of character that she's mm-hmm. demonstrated, um, the leadership skills that she has, both both of them, both David's and Kelly uh, being and, you know, I I, I don't want to like I know a lot of people who listen to the, to our show live in St. Louis. And like we talked a lot about how there was a, a big sigh of relief when Cori Bush won her primary, which was right. like a cynical. Um, and so once she once Cori Bush won her primary here past last summer, I was like, oh, well, she's going to like. She's going to sail to the easiest victory ever. She's right. going to be fine. And, she and she's and she's been uh, more involved, I think, here locally. Well, you know, campaigning for Democrats. She did a statewide campaign about yeah. abortion rights. Um, so she's been busy and she certainly was also very involved in the local election we just had here, which was also kind of a stomper. So just like, yeah, Midwestern what- women, they're kind of great, right? Kind yeah. Of, kind and here's of one that yeah. is getting a lot of shine right now, but we should not neglect to mention her on our show. Gretchen Whitmer yes. stomped the uh gop nominee in michigan by like 10 points yeah michigan is such an interesting case study from this cycle where you've got a state that was on the knife's edge for two presidentials in a row and they are now democrat across the board in that state i mean that's yeah they're going to be able to do something think about like was was where was Scott Walker? I always forget like Wisconsin. what Wisconsin. Okay, so I have that wrong. But like there was a sweep of like extremely conservative governors that went through the upper Midwest. Um yeah. and so seeing like just seeing some hope in Michigan, um, especially after COVID, because they took over the state capitol, right? Like there was just some like that's exactly what but- I was gonna get to is is with Whitmer, the most the most interesting part of that to me is, you know, as as the as the narrative sort to you know, as we as we reverse engineer the narratives from the midterms and go, okay, well, what really came out of this thing, right? All the exit polling shows us that abortion really was as high of an issue as we talked about. We, you know, we continue to say, we think it's going to be a big issue. And like, yeah, we tempered expectations. Right. We tempered expectations (laughs) on races that we thought were just unrealistic. A hundred percent. But we kept saying like, it's probably going to be a bigger issue, but yeah, you know, and, and it was exactly. Especially in, in states where it's, up for grabs right and i think that's what the right. east coast west right. coast media didn't get until election Correct. night right is that you can't just look at a national poll about how people feel about abortion and Correct. figure out who's going to be the governor of kansas or michigan and it, it continued to trump stuff um you know yes the the economy as we would always bring it back to right the dinner table issues the economy did lead all issues coming out of the midterm but the thing that didn't wind up being as important was the COVID stuff, right? Michigan is the perfect example where, like you say, Rachel, they, they stormed the Capitol. Shit, they tried to kidnap the governor, right? There was this crazy plot going on in Michigan. And, and one kind of, of the reasons- actually kind of, kind of bullshit, but this, nonetheless, like it was right. like completely off well, the chain. Yeah. One of the main reasons Gretchen Whitmer, why a lot of folks that listen to a show like this probably know her name before right now is because that was one of the states where the COVID regulations were so strict and there was so much pushback about like 
people getting on being able to use boats like in Lake Michigan like there was there were national stories coming out of Michigan about covid protocols Trump attacked her Trump attacked her yeah exactly constantly constantly yes. he never let her left her alone he hated her and hated so her I, I think it was a good example of like yeah that that mattered in the moment but that issue is not it's not animating people the way that a lot of Republicans thought it was going to animate people. And, you know, some would point to, well, Eric Schmidt won in a, in a landslide. Yeah, that had nothing uh, to do whatever. with with COVID. That had to do it's with a, that demographics to do with in the state that is, yeah. is yeah. inherently yeah. broken right there's now. A, there's a R. Missouri seemed to vote more Democratic. Far more. And- yeah, there's a re- there's some really great graphics. I think it's the New York Times that has those arrows. Yeah, yes. you know, yeah, we're, in, we're yeah. In general, Missouri trended up toward Democrats in a way that was really really big. And you know, that's a whole other thing. And we'll unpack that center race at some point just to look at how poorly Trudy Valentine oh, actually did in that race. I don't, which think, was, I don't even think either of them deserve us to unpack and up deserve our time. And yeah, I mean, anything. the short <laughs> answer is she did like, a she did a bad job. Um, so to all the people that kept know, telling whatever. me, well, she's a really nice lady. Yeah, I'm sure she is. But she I'm just I just want to congratulate as much as I appreciate I and respect on the show. Claire McCaskill as a, as a as a human being, as a senator, as the um, she held the line uh, in a ways during uh, her brief yeah. engagement with the Trump administration that I thought was really mm-hmm. um, worthy of respect. Um, the way that we have like Missouri is still living in her idea of what the Missouri Democratic Party should look like. Yep. And um, y'all fucked up. I'm just so fucking done. I'm over it. Like, I don't give a fuck about you guys anymore. Yep. I love the people, not your party. Holy shit. Whatever. Sorry. Who, yeah. Yeah, she's she's doing great on MSNBC. So say we all stay stay there, Claire. That's fine. God damn it! Whatever. Come fucking like clean uh, up your shit. Yeah, we're gonna move on as a state and as a show. So let's move on to the to the yeah no. Yeah no. Yeah. Okay, the yeah no. Speaking of Missouri, uh, the Missouri GOP returns. Uh, a supermajority, so they do get their supermajority. Uh, we were we were wrong about that part of it, uh, but wait, I wasn't. I wasn't. What did you say? I said they would retain the supermajority. Oh, okay, okay. I also had the biggest yes. upset was Catherine Cortez Masto. If we're yeah. not going to do victory laps on the agenda, but anyway. Well, we can. We, I figured we do those when we talk about the midterm as a whole. So. Oh, okay. All right. Um, I'm not. I'm. I was not expecting um anything but what happened. Uh, but you know, it was um, still pretty good. Um, you know, relatively speaking. Uh, right. we flipped one. Seats. We flipped one Senate seat, right? And th- they, yeah. that was a that was a hold. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And then, but it, but it was a it was a it was a true contest. Like the contested state Senate seat went Democrat, and that that I think is is the important takeaway there is that you know of there wasn't a lot of the most important way to 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 think about missouri right now is there are not a lot of contested races and so when you start there and say okay let's identify the races that were truly contested races uh right for example right jess piper seat it wasn't really a contested race we knew statistically it wasn't uh there was hope that she her what she had done and what she had built could and there was admiration for the fact that she was just like i'm gonna she do was doing this. it at all. like i'm just gonna right? do it whatever yeah. i'm just gonna fucking do it right uh doing it at all is a big deal uh you know uh, the jim down and i can't think of his last name now the guy with the mustache i love him very much uh in uh, uh southwest missouri who i had on the show um 
it, he's a great example of that, that he's run several times and he continues to lose, but he continues to do it and he continues to campaign and his numbers are, are respectable because of that. Um, but, but for the most part, most of those races are just not contested races. And so in the contested races, the Democrats in Missouri did pretty well. Uh, they, they held or won almost all the ones they wanted or needed. Uh, and they just didn't get enough done in the house. Um, you know, there's, we can point fingers all across the board. I think uh, we're well established here on not being super thrilled with how the Missouri Democrat Democratic Party has been run um, in general. Uh, but you know, the bottom line is candidates got to get out and do the work, and they've got to knock the doors, and they they're the ones who have to win the races in the end. Um, you know, whatever team they build. So uh, I don't know. If that's the no is that we we go back to a supermajority, and we've got uh, new leadership in the states uh for the republicans and it's they do, gonna be a shit show i think they do officially now control all the statewide offices yes right? and like, yes there's no more elected Democrats yeah that statewide. that that uh hand puppet um with uh facial hair Fitz, what's his name fitzpatrick he's the uh that's that's i, I ran be, into him the other day you, you did no where yeah he was in warrensburg he was uh he was recording with scott fawn they were doing some kind of debate um for that for that race and we were both at the Casey's, uh, getting some getting some snacks. I was on my way down for a city meeting, and he was he was leaving town. And I just I just poked over, and I was like, Scott Fitzpatrick. He's like, you know, I was like, Hey, Adam Summer, Harlan Pot, how you doing? <laughs> stuck the old hand out and and uh, talked to him for a second. And uh, he in person is exactly as he presents uh, in pictures and things, uh, uh, unkempt uh, and. <laughs> And it was just amazing. So I was just like, that guy's going to be the auditor. I mean, like, I, I hope to talk to him because I want to pick his brain. I want to, anybody who's an elected official in the state, I want to talk to him and pick their brain. And, uh, you know, I'll have respect for the office. It just amazes me. I, I don't know. Well, they, I don't know. Should, we sh- they should come on the pod. Like, they should. They should. They're public officials. We're, like, one of only a handful of podcasts, independent media well, that talk about I don't politics know if in the state. No. Like, he should totally come on and talk Republicans about it. Don't- do any media anymore right i know i know it's ridiculous <laughs> they only do their own media their own media yeah yeah well he's going to cost uh missouri a lot of money there's going to be some sh- it's going to be a shit show it's going to be yeah. an absolute utter complete uh brownback kansas fucking shit show uh coming yeah. to you soon missouri i'm sorry well we'll see we'll see i look forward to uh getting a chance to chat with uh uh, House, you know, Minority Leader Quaid. Uh, she reelected, is back in the minority seat. Um, good, good leadership. You know, the Democratic side uh, has some really strong people, and they know what they're doing. They know how to play the game as best yeah, they well, can be clear, with the resources I, they shi- have. Yeah, when I'm shitting on the party, I am not being critical of the elected officials no. who are. No, no, in no, no, the, no. I'm talking about the people that run the committees and all their dumb. Sh- they're so petty and boring yep. and unimaginative yep. and interested in hanging on to like the lamest kind of power that exists which is it all just feels like junior high school it's really yeah. embarrassing that's exactly um, right that's exactly right well, so we, were, we were talking a little bit before we came on and i'm not going to get too specific but but just in general about the 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 unwillingness of you know and this is where for the people who who want to say oh you guys are just a lefty show call us whatever you want here's here's what i'm going to say about a whole lot of folks on the left right now is that they need to figure out that this isn't over, right? This midterm wasn't it. This is not the end of this. 
and what we're we are still in a an ongoing cold I'll say it we're in a cold civil war right now in this country and there are we still, certainly are in Missouri at least the, like, certainly in Missouri like some I, of like some of the like what we saw we'll, we'll get this into this more later I mean the yeah I know is that these fucking people are still going to just I mean we we have we may not let's just talk about some of the really quickly let's just talk about some of the hits that we're going to take they're probably going to try to fuck with Medicaid Medicaid funding again. Oh, for sure. They will probably try to destroy school funding again. They're definitely going to expand charter schools again. Yeah. We have to be really concerned about whether or not they're going to um, gut our ability to pass laws by ballot initiative or yeah. not. That's yeah. that's very that, much up for grabs. That's in their top five. And some of the people that are in the senior ranking uh, like positions in the House and the Senate as Republicans are some of the shittiest Republicans that sit in the lawmaking bodies right now, period. So, I mean, it's just, that, that's why it's a yeah, no. It's like, what are you going to do? Like, the rest of the country has more, like, we just don't have that many people here. It's just very sparsely fucking populated. And, well, and, um, and we're doing the opposite of Colorado, right? Sean talked about knocking doors in a brand new congressional district in Colorado, in Missouri, it's just as likely that by the 2030 census that we're down a congressional district in this state based on the way the trends are going. Sean, you worked on some some races here in Missouri. What the you know, what what's the takeaway for you about the state of play right now? Yeah. Um you know, I think I would I've been trying to think about the good stuff. So I haven't really, you know, thought about <laughs> yeah. My Missouri. Well, this is so the, yeah, much. no. So we're just gonna drag it back. There's down been a lot a of good second, stuff. Then which we'll is the get nice back part. to the good stuff. This is the this is the gully in the show. This is the right. uh, and then we'll get to the glowing sunshine. After so this. I guess here's what I'll say then. I guess the, what really sticks out to me is, you know, even though the Democrats have such a slim chance of winning so many races, we talk and talk and talk and talk about who our nominee is gonna be. Like right. the primaries were fucking dumb. Yeah, and I am glad that we gave a microphone you know, figuratively and literally to Ray Reed. What I'm not glad about is that like all the people who listen to me and Ray and Trish and Lucas Kuntz and Trudy and, you know, we have to be organizing. It's like, there's only three months between the primary and the general election. Right. So, you know, the discussions should be happening, but, you know, I wish the party, they, the party apparatus, says that they don't get involved in primaries and they use that to basically not do anything for Correct. 18 out of every 24 months. And I think it's very stupid. Yeah. I think it's very stupid. I, I, the, and part of it is the, the way the laws are set up for the parties in Missouri, but what they haven't done, one of the things the Republicans in, in Missouri have done very well is use uh, the nonprofit, you know, setup the, the 501 C four, structure. Uh, they're right. very good at that. And Democrats, for some reason, because we have this like this whole like, oh, well, I don't take corporate money. I don't take soft money. I don't take dark money. I won't, I won't, you know, I hate dark money. Well, and so I won't touch it. And I just, I, if we are in this scenario where we're in a fight for life, like if we're in a fight for the future and the other person gets to bring something that you don't get to bring to the fight, you can well, disagree with it all you want, but you're going to lose the fight. Here's what I'll say that I, I, I don't disagree with that, but here's the where the real sticking point that I have with that logic is. The Republicans have so much goddamn fucking more money and yeah. we are such a safe state for them. So money just, there is a money spigot 
coming from um, dark money groups that pours into Missouri because it's so unregulated and it's so easy here and the Democrats get scraps. And so the people who are very sort of, I mean, Cori Bush is somebody in Missouri who doesn't take any corporate money and she's the only, like she's one of the most successful Democrats in our state. So I think, you know, I don't see this. Yeah, but you can't until... reproduce her model in rural Missouri. No, I but I don't think that that's the problem. And it I doesn't think, matter. Like, like right. so from working on a bunch of campaigns, I'll just tell you this. Like in Colorado, the maximum contribution is four hundred dollars right. for all the state races. And so what that means is if you're running for state rep in a race that might only have six thousand votes total. There could be six million dollars in outside contributions spent, and so like us Democrats, we say like I don't take PAC money while while secretly like you know thinking that we've you know done something slick because we know that the unions are going to come in or Bloomberg is going to come in with a huge outside buy. It's like the voters voters aren't stupid, like I was saying, yeah. and it's like and it's just a waste of time. Like talking yeah. about how you don't take corporate money is it's, not it's yet another about... left pure, purity test on the left that does nothing but, but I don't, here's the thing there is there, votes. we don't have a left here really that's really where my whole thing falls apart with your logic is that the only place that we have left in missouri like meaning like left like far left positions that i know of is st louis and maybe a couple folks in kansas city that's yeah. it yeah no, that I is all fair. the rest the rest of the people that are just trying to get by in these races are given no assistance of any kind. They will take anything. If you want to come here and like spend five or six million dollars per cycle just to get some like, just to get right. some facilities well, that's up why and it's so pointless to say you're not taking <laughs> certain, especially when because Rachel, you're right. But the and here's 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 the the counter to the counter is you're right. Here's here's the caveat. Most of those people are running the show of the party. And when the party is centralized in a place where it's further to the left than the rest of the state, right, when, but, the, but when Butler, the power flows from that section, it like looks Butler more outsized Corey, right, than it is. But, right. But Corey, Corey Bush and Michael Butler are not allies. Like Michael I'm Butler not saying that they are at all. Like not even like a fucking, I don't yeah. think there's any, I think there's a ton of bad blood there, Frank. I don't know if there's a lot of bad blood, but I don't, I don't sense there's a lot of symmetry, right? Yeah. I think it goes back to there's just nothing and it's really hard yes. it, when it creates when, disinfect oh, dis, disenfranchised yeah. folks yeah. who go well I guess I'll just I guess if I want to be involved locally I kind of have to deal with these republicans so I guess I'll be like an independent who kind of yeah, is and also I'd love, like and I'd love to talk to like you know I'd love to talk to somebody in on the ground in Wisconsin I'd love to talk to somebody on the ground in Michigan about like how did you guys how did you guys do it like just just like what was the play yeah. what was the playbook and and we did and uh, I talked to a guy from Wisconsin and there'll be an interview coming out tomorrow, yeah no that's so. really cool because I think that's like the real question is that because yeah. when I look at Missouri all I see is a really big demographic problem and yeah. again if somebody came in tomorrow with six or seven million dollars during the next cycle um, I think there's a lot that we could do. But yeah. we just don't have that much money, and um, I, you know, I, I could go on and on about what a uh, what a mistake it was to force Trudy Bush Valentine down our fucking throats. It, the whole our whole Senate race was one of the most anemic, pathetic. Mm -hmm. Why is this even happening? 
Um, this is just this is this is like an exercise in democracy. This is not actual democracy. This is ridiculous. Yeah, it was um, a show. This woman should be ashamed of herself for putting us in this position. I think she was well intentioned. I think she had uh, the right uh, idea. But I think that who I, I think like we were it not for her, at least the I don't know. I'm so the, the whole thing is so that's why it's the yeah no just yeah no it's fuck yeah, it no. let's move yeah, on exactly let's dust off. Thank you to Corey Bush and to the and to the folks. Uh, in the uh the metros that are holding it down we appreciate you so much um thanks for doing all the work you just you guys deserve better uh than the services that you're offered by an anemic um atrophied state party apparatus and what you did yeah. is remarkable absolutely absolutely all right well, let's move on to the buy or sell all right buy or sell uh date of death for maga is november 8th 2022 Let's just change it right away to buy or sell what Josh Hawley said. Yeah. The Republican Party is dead or the old party is dead. Time Wait. to bury it. We knew, yeah. You, we you're knew talking that, Josh. about. It's actually George Hawley. <laughs> yeah. He texted me today. Oh, uh, good. That's Zach Our old friend Zach. Yeah. Yeah. So how about he said, how about them Democrats? Um, how about them Democrats? Yeah. yeah George, George Hawley certainly agrees uh, that the date of death is November 8th. Uh, this it's is funny. the time so, uh, we let the old ways die. I think is the song from that movie with the uh, uh, shit. I don't remember. I'm going to wend my way around to my buy or sell <laughs> answer because I don't know what it's going to be yet. By the way, I, I'm buying it, but I'll let you. Yeah, I'll let you explore explore the space. Okay, creative space. <laughs> Where's that from? I don't know. Lots oh, of things. Gosh. Yeah. Well, no, it's some kind of. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Shoot, photo shoot. Um, but. Yeah, so Josh Hawley's really funny. I was thinking about, Adam, I've talked to you about Bill Clinton a lot and how uh -huh. he's just this exceptional politician. And if anyone's listened to the Slow Burn series on podcasts that Slate does, um, they they do one on Bill Clinton and they go all the way back to Arkansas and mm -hmm. people who knew him forever. And something really stuck with me, how the how they, how they an Arkansas lady, you know, some kind of little rock uh, mover and shaker, described Bill Clinton, they said, uh, you know, you could be in a room with 12 people and Bill Clinton and talking about things where every single person has a different point of view or thoughts about what should be done. And not only will all 12 of those people with differing perspectives, not only will they all think that Bill Clinton is on their side, mm -hmm. but they'll think all of them that Bill Clinton is on their side and with them against the others, mm -hmm. like that he's got their back like that. Yep. And that's an an excellent, you know, super gifted politician. And, you know, you could also say it's like slimy um, and smarmy, which leads me to Josh Hawley. Mm -hmm. He cannot do that. <laughs> what he can do is in a really smug, you know, I, I don't know if he thinks it's smart, but he always puts forward, he creates these little intellectual perches for himself. <laughs> and like... The old party is dead. More sand, he's, just sand castles. he's just he's just trying stuff out, Sean. He's just throwing right. stuff out there, man. Was well, just like does he think we're going to be persuaded ideas. by the thing, or does he think we're going to be like impressed by his smartness? I, mean, I don't know. But I let think... me get this out. Let me get this out. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. The go point ahead. is, everyone's talking about Ron DeSantis mm -hmm. as the future of the Republican Party, mm -hmm. and the already. question is, already will <laughs> Trump or anyone allow that to happen? Right. Nobody anymore is talking about Josh Hawley. That's right. <laughs> he is not someone who on January 7th was saying, 
the old party's dead. That's he was right. his stock was higher than ever. And now he's saying the old party's dead because he thinks I, it benefits his own aspirations. I have a, That's right. I have a question. I have a you guys have a couple of this. I lost all my bets with you guys. I made some pretty solid wagers about what was gonna happen. We'll get to those uh in the we'll get to those in the last second, the last segment. But right now I want to say that many months ago, many months ago now, I suggested that Joshua Howley was the next Rick Santorum. And I would like That's to right. say that that is getting closer and closer it's a pretty to goddamn being good take. minted good logic because <laughs> that idiot is not going to hold on to his Senate seat. He could just coast in that Senate seat until he was like retiring a cajillionaire somewhere, nice house in the Ozarks or whatever, just like chilling in Missouri, just living the good life. He's going to run for president and probably have to give up a Senate seat uh, because it's a safe Republican seat. They're going to just be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Who's yeah, out? Who's think... next? They'll just, yeah. And if, he's going to go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, if MAGA dying could be manifested by like Josh Hawley, instead of becoming president, becoming true. failed Ooh. candidate, Rick Santorum, like, I think that's a good, I know, yeah, like I proxy and I yeah. will buy it. I see that. I, I think yeah. I, I think you didn't buy it before. I recall right. you being skeptical. Anyway, I so I, it. I can't see a full, it's not a full victory lap. It's like a good, uh, good. We just had a good like sprint practice or something. I don't know. Like it's a good, it's going well. Those trends are holding. He's, he's Josh Hawley's a really, he's a really, really good example. Uh, I'm going to hit myself with it. Cause I didn't say it right either. It's actually Josh Hawley. All right. I've used all of them now. Um, he's a really good example of uh, a conversation I had with somebody recently about, you know, there are there are administrators and there are candidates uh, and sometimes people who are good at doing government things become candidates and they lose and they're bad candidates or maybe they win. But they're you know, they, they hit a ceiling really quickly because they're they're very good at doing the job of government. Uh, and then there are people who are very good at being candidates who like Sean back to the Bill Clinton thing like. Bill Clinton's a very smart guy. I don't think that Bill Clinton is some like amazing budget policy, school like, uniforms and like fucking his weird policy ideas. Yeah, yeah, like right. yeah, he's not he's not a he's not a he's not a policy tinker guy. <laughs> but you can put like you say 10, 15, 20 people in a room with him, let everybody say their piece, and he can be a conduit that takes all of those things and he can sort of mesh it together and say, so is this what we're saying? And everybody at the same time will shake their head up and down because he can, he can synthesize complex information in a way. And he's a, yeah. And he's a charming narcissist. Whereas Josh Howley is an unextraordinary guy who got to go to some really good schools. Right. And, and and yes, yes. Josh, he does not have the thing. He doesn't have the gear. And anybody who's ever been in enough political speeches, Sean and I were, we were exchanging texts the other day when it was like when people talk about uh, different rock concerts they've been to. And we were talking about like different politicians we've seen. And like, well, I've seen Obama twice and I've seen Clinton once and I've seen, so it's like, it's like that kind of thing. Like I've seen, I've seen Kander twice. I've seen him in, in a very intimate setting. Uh, obviously I've talked to him in here, but that was different. Um, I've seen him twice. I've seen Clinton once in a pretty big setting. I've seen Obama twice, one in a huge setting, one in a fairly small setting, right? I've seen these people who are absolute masters of the craft. Okay. Masters of the craft. I've seen Josh Hawley too. I've seen him in a room with a hundred people while he's the guy that the center of attention on, he ain't got it. He ain't the guy. 
Like he's not funny. He's not charming. He's not charismatic. He's not quick witted. He's he Rick Santorum. N- he has none of those tools. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. He is. He is just a guy Except- who's like Jesus and gays and bad and abortion. Boo. Rape's like, great. And then Rick like, that's Santorum's it. And almost. Home. It's almost unfair to Rick Santorum. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. I don't Shut know. Up. No, no, he's it isn't. He's a little it bit not... quicker. Like he's, he's got a better no, smile. No. I feel like. No, yeah. yeah, no. Fuck that guy. Fuck Josh him. Josh Hawley's like, like a cynical Rick Santorum. Until Correct. Rick Santorum right. uh, allowed his his underlying bigotry to come through in a big way, he held his own pretty well on those CNN panels. No, he like, did not. Like he no, could he actually no. he could banter. No. Josh Hawley wrong. can't banter. Incorrect. Oh, that's wrong. You're wrong. So people say we just agree about everything, but we really don't. No, I think like, I think, uh, whatever we got off on, we were doing the buy or sell. This is the death of, of, of MAGAism. And, uh, I, okay. So and that includes the McCarthy recall, thing, the DeSantis thing, all of it. Yeah. I, right. So I think I recall speaking of things I said that turned out to be basically true. I seem to remember us having this theme and us talking ad nauseum in various contexts and sometimes direct contexts like this one. Where I was like, you can't do MAGA shit without Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the only person who can yeah, get away. Yeah, it was our journey with this thing. Fuck. Yes, yes, that's right. Exactly. We talked about it a lot, and we and I, people were. I felt like we were pretty clear-eyed about it. Um, yeah. and I think that's because we just kind of understand how people react to him because we live in such a, a state where he's so popular, mm-hmm. and that there was. Without him, it's just there's a vacuum of there's an enthusiasm gap between like the person doing the I'm a racist and I hate people like it's it's such a song and dance when somebody who isn't him does it. And I think that where we've seen some success with those kinds of candidates, they could say anything as a Republican and they would win. You could run as any kind of Republican in the state of Missouri right now for the U.S. Senate and you could win. See also what just happened. Um, right. And it is funny. I was talking to my mother-in-law a few, like before the election or maybe the day up, maybe it was like the day of the election or the day before. And it's like, you know what I'm really glad about is that Eric Greitens didn't become the nominee <laughs> because <laughs> Jesus Christ, he could have won. Yeah. I think in some ways it's like, I look at, I look at uh, the two Eric's and I was like, I kind of don't like Eric Greitens is so dangerous. That I was like, Oh, he'll like, it doesn't matter because he'll get kicked out of the Senate on his ass because he'll do something so phenomenally stupid that they'll just be like, well, you just have to go. That's you had like prostitutes and cocaine and the cops were called and we don't like you and get out. Um, but then all that would have happened was the governor would have appointed somebody and it totally would have been Eric Schmidt. So Eric right. Schmidt was going to be <laughs> either the way, senator from Missouri. Either way yeah. we just at least this way he doesn't have to like. He doesn't get the opportunity of like riding in on a horse and looking sane. like all his crazies out he's a cynical shithead um however the buy sell is at the end of trumpism again anybody can run as a republican in missouri and say crazy yeah. shit and that's what's still kind of a thing that you can get away with right now because of our demographics we talked about that earlier anyway i am buying it i'm so happy to see the no. utter fucking rebuke with the exception of ohio and maybe arizona's governor we just don't know yet um but other than that, it is just a wiping across the board of the back of the hand on the chessboard. Like, we're clearing you all off. Like, absolutely not. Key races lost up and down. Just good night because it's not him. It's just not the same without yeah, Trump's like, Trumpiness. It's not going to be the governor of Arizona. No. Like, 
your the rebuke was the right word. There were election yeah. deniers in every statewide position in Arizona, and they all got beat by Democrats. They they ran Arizona. on the Trump grievance platform. Solid across the board. They had right. some, you know, some underlying, you know, bigoty, anti-trans, CRT stuff that was there, but it was the Trump grievance platform. That's what they ran on. Schmidt's and actually were... an, an interesting example of like he will be an interesting litmus test because in six years when he has to run again, how different will it be? Like, will he because because the the right the inside baseball on Eric Schmidt is wait till he gets elected and gets to the Senate. This isn't who he's going to be. That's the like hopeful inside baseball on, okay. on Schmidt. Okay, sure. right. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe he'll be a Roy Blunt. I don't think so. I don't think he's got a tenth of the political well, Roy, operator might, skill that Roy Blunt has. He might be a Roy Blunt in that he will just do whatever the majority leader, leader tells him to do, and then every once in a while yeah. he'll break with that person. But I don't, I don't do think he's something. got the, the spine or the just the, the true political skills of a Roy Blunt. Well, um, Roy Blunt kind of built a political dynasty in Missouri when it was still a swing state. I mean, that's correct. Like, I don't that's like the guy. Skill. I don't like the guy, but like his son was governor. So whatever, right. like he's got, you know, connections and knowledge right. and Eric Schmidt just uh, was alive at the right time in the right place at the right time. Right. I mean, like the AG is just basically a promotional tool for Republicans in Missouri now. So it's the greatest launching platform for Republicans in the absolutely nation. Missouri absolutely. attorney general. Yeah. <laughs> so it, many. It, it was so funny to see all the head, like the Washington examiner, had this headline about like Trump flipping out and, you know, like he's just, he's just losing his mind with his inner circle and everybody's terrified. And that's, I wrote on the show notes that Trump may need to invest in some oops. I crap my pants. Like just that, that old SNL product. Yeah, he's, uh, he's going to, I wonder if he doesn't, I wonder if he understands that even if after the Georgia runoff, if, heaven forfend uh walker wins mm -hmm. that that will not give the republic like none of his other it little still doesn't little matter projects yeah. won and it doesn't matter and all that's left are these kind of like whatever yeah i think it's going to be interesting to see um what alliances there are like they were so ready to elect a, ma a majority leader like they were so ready to be like is it going to be mcconnell and i was like no because no. you guys are going to lose the fucking senate like well <laughs> like, and, and half the you. ones like, that you've that you, you have said that you want to go there right eric schmidt's on record he's not voting for mitch mcconnell for leader yeah so well you don't um, have to worry about that ha ha yeah. like, <laughs> probably <laughs> yeah. ever probably never have to worry about that yeah <laughs> probably never gonna happen while you're there buddy Good but job. now so now we've got this this like deranged trump in a corner thing going on where and that's where i think the the holly thing is a great uh sean that's an awesome way to like frame this is because it was what two days maybe after the after tuesday like was it thursday holly was out there just being like oh you know i think it's time for the party to change like two days yeah. Two days. I think he even had a quote. I'm trying to find the article back, but he even said something. It was faster that, than he ran away from the chamber when the seditionists were there. I, yeah, well, even yeah, I think like on election day before, to before the Mike votes Fanon. were counted, he knew that DeSantis was getting all of his headlines, and he's like, "We need to kind of, I don't yeah. know, shuffle things up." <laughs> <laughs> well, but it points to like 
it points to the fact that Trump in the corner, like they know how dangerous this motherfucker is. Like they've seen what he can do. But he's also like, yeah, but oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I totally interrupted you. Go ahead. I'm sorry, man. No, that's the point. Like they've seen what he can do. And so they know that they have to like, he didn't do that. Josh Hawley is not out on a limb by himself right now. Josh Hawley is with the crowd. He is following the, the, you know, the flock of birds. They're all moving together away from Trump uh, the, he he's not le- he's not a thought leader. Okay, he's just repeating what other people are saying. Absolutely, hundred percent. That's what that's what says Josh Ellie. I'm not a, not I'm a not thought a thought leader. leader. This ad has been paid for by Josh. Like that's like that's so Josh Ellie. Dad not shirt, a dad vest. <laughs> All right, that's enough. That's it. Perfect. We're done. That's it. All right, so we buy that. Right, let's move on to the big one. And now, the big one. All right, the big one. Red wave, blue wave, schmoo wave, more like purple drink uh, is what we have for these midterms. It was Explore the Space. I knew it was something really funny. It's from the classic SNL sketch where Christopher Walken is the record producer. It's the Blue yes, Oyster it's Cult the cowbell. sketch. Explore and the Space. Right, right. Someone's advising Will Ferrell to go ahead and fully. Yeah. So yeah, that. When we get done, you're all going to be wearing basically... gold-plated diapers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's like a cultural moment. Anyway. It is a cultural moment. It's like a a lot of people will say that's the number one. Many people are saying that's the number one SNL skit of all time. I think it's a fair argument. It's a very funny one. Even Jimmy Fallon's funny in that one. Right with the mustache. Yeah. Um, so purple drank, uh, Rachel, you lost your bets. Let's start right all there. All of them, man. All right. So, all right. Uh, let's my favorite talk one about... is the Ann Wagner one by far. I just, yeah. Say. Okay. So I'll, 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 my opener is I thought amendment three, which passed, which passed it yeah. passed. We said it would. So I thought it was just going to be like, everybody was going to be like, yay, legal cannabis. And it turns out not everybody just the suburban era, just like the, uh, the suburbanites, not the exurbanites, exurbites, mm. whatever, uh, and the uh, urbanites all voted for legal marijuana. So I thought it was going to be like a 70-40 situation that was based on Medicaid expansion and uh, a protection of unions um, when we had to vote down right to work, whenever the hell that was. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of those margins, and then it turned out to be more like what you said. So that's one closer to this. I was 60, pretty close. 40. You were very close. I was not. I was very off, so I owe you a decent bottle of spirits. I believe that was the vote. Is that that was the bet? Is that, that correct? Was, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then, Sean, do you remember what I bet you about Ann Wagner? Yeah, do you, you remember? said she would don a flannel shirt mm-hmm. and... in Warren County. Right. And right. So and Sean Sean counter bet by saying she wouldn't even step foot. Right. Yeah. In Warren or yeah. Franklin. So County. Yeah. so Sean like double one because both of those <laughs> things well you can't if, if you can't wear a flannel in a place if you never go to the place so right uh she never True. went to the place uh and she didn't wear a flannel and um i don't remember what we what was the wager do you remember what the actual i don't know wager i was, was trying to think of something very st louisy that i would want maybe like a block of provel cheese or something <laughs> freeze it and get Does it come in a block <laughs> yeah no, it looks like a block. um oh, okay oh uh, i feel like the schnooks 
Got to check out that. I've uh, only ever seen uh, it in like a string, like a continuous. Yeah, that might right, make, the I brain think you case. can in certain yeah. places. <laughs> get it in blocks, but it's true. You get it in the weird, like the weird, uh, the the weird. We used to buy that, striped, and then you, you yeah. chop it up and put it on your salad, and it's fucking mm-hmm. delicious. Delicious. No, I don't think it was something as ridiculous as like, can you get me some cheese? I think there was something <laughs> like more substantial, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Give me some cheese product. I don't think you'd have to even freeze that. I think it just ships. (laughs) It's shelf stable. (laughs) Well, anyway, uh, you may do. uh, You both, but you both, both, you both may do victory laps. I wanted to say again how sad uh, I am about Trish. I didn't think she was going to win, but um, I'm proud of. I'm proud of what she did. She ran Uh, a good race. It was a very hard district. Good. She did, and she showed up in a way that was really committed um, yes. and serious. Yes. It didn't feel like she was. It didn't feel like she was there because she knew a person had to be there. She was there because she really wanted to create opportunities for Democrats in Missouri. And, and I will say that about thirty Trish, years. Yeah, I will say that about Trish. I will say that about uh, Randy McCallion. I will say that about Chris Radiker Schaefer. I will say that about Bethany Mann. I will say that about Henry Martin. Uh, and Charles West, who ran in the primary against Henry Martin. I, I, every single one of those people, to me, were doing it. You know, I'm going to sound like I'm on The Bachelor. They were there for the right reasons. Um, <laughs> and, um, uh, I, I, and I think that there's something there. You know, I whether Trish is done or not done, obviously, that, you know, she's been doing this for a while. It's not like she's a neophyte to, to government or elections. So I can understand if she says, that's that's it, I'm done. Um, but I don't think all the rest of them are. Uh, I know Randy's not. Um, and there's there's a serious, you know, there's just a seriousness to what Trish did that I think is it deserves a ton of respect for sure. Uh, for sure. Um, so our victory laps, our locks. We nailed it. All of our yeah, locks. We did pretty well. I My lock was Mark Kelly uh, to win his Senate seat in Arizona. And uh, to quote uh, Dan, uh, he in fact did strap that little bitch to a rocket and send him to the moon. So, uh. <laughs> yeah, to the satisfaction of all of us. Oh so my gosh, so satisfying. He, he, he was on uh, Tucker, um, and uh, Blake Masters. He was on Tucker. He was talking about something. I I, I barely even listened to the audio. I just retweeted. I was just like, these new Batman villains are way too realistic. (laughs) (laughs) He just he he looks like he's being played by Crispin Glover. He yeah. He looks like he looks like he looks like someone's already parodying him on SNL. Like that's how that's how like Like Mikey Day has like put some makeup under his eyes. And, yeah. and done his hair straight. What was back, he yeah. saying on Hannity? Wasn't he like they won because they like he was just absolutely completely unhinged. He's just unhinged, just yeah. He's a crazy selling man. the crazy so hard. So Sean, um, you had Ron Johnson in Wisconsin, uh, unfortunately correct. That was a squeaker. But, but that was a squeaker though. That was a really good for Mandela Barnes. That yeah. was like a very, 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 very. That was way closer than Ron Johnson thought it was going to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And. You know, when I think about the national map, you know, it is important that even though Tim Ryan lost and Mandela Barnes lost, that they were so competitive and raised so much money because the Republican machine then has to invest like crazy to to hold on to that Senate seat. Both of those, those were two Republican holds and Democrats put up a super strong challenge. And that probably had something to do with 
you know, holding Herschel Walker under 50%. Maybe there's other reasons that he was unable to uh, convince that many Georgians. Certainly, if you're, if you're the Republican apparatus and you're looking at Ohio, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Nevada, right? You're like, well, Arizona and Nevada are really important. They're going to be harder races for us. And so you're going to prioritize the two that you can definitely win. Right. And the other two, you're going to, you know, if it's looking good, you might shift there, but you're going to, you got a whole, and Barnes was close. Like it was competitive the whole time, you know, so it, it certainly had to, had it to was, did it end up being hackles. less, it was less than a point, right? Or did it just, mm, just, less, it was more just than under a point. point? I thought it was more than a point. Let's, uh, what do you say, CNN website that is really good? A point, exactly a point. Look at that. It was okay. It ended up being a point when I think last time I looked, it was like point eight or something. Right, so on like a point. A point. Yeah. So that's like if you're the Republican Party, votes. that's a tight race. If you look at if you're the Republican Party and you see those results in Wisconsin after the midterm election, you think what, Sean Diller, about Wisconsin as a Republican? Right. We're not going to be presidential victors again until we get Wisconsin back. Um, yeah, that's going to be know, tough. Because they, by and the way, you, it, Tony Evers won easy. Right. I think, right. yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I was talking to Elliot before this because I, 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 I really felt like, uh, the death rattle of the whole MAGA thing along a few several months ago, as ugly as it was, I just kind of saw. I was like, I don't think so, man. I don't know. Maybe they're going to get one or two through total. I mean, total out of all these lunatics, yeah, they're trying to throw at us. I think one or two of them. Will be successful. Maybe a couple county people still. Well, and Johnson's like... a good example of like he's not really a MAGA guy. Like he's just kind of an old school bigoty he's, Republican. He's the, he's the incumbent. He was the incumbent. Right. Like he already right. had the job. So isn't that worth a point hold, or two anyway? You have to hold, but they made it really hard for him to hold the seat. So, yeah. um, so I kind of have I've I've kind of like knew that this was going to be a very difficult challenge uh, for the Republicans at this point, despite what all the like the obsession with the polls and the drubbing, the Biden drubbing like for months. I heard like mm -hmm. read that everywhere. The shellacking he was going to get in November. You know, this is what they said, like 15 minutes after he was sworn in. Right. Um, well, and that's like I've I kind of I kept making the point of like it's not going to be like as like locally you're gonna have democrats that you really really like lose and you have to be ready for that Over, reality oh, just a bunch more just a bunch more times by the way yeah, <laughs> like, like so that, many more times. that's gonna happen but it doesn't mean that this that this is a bad election like this was a good that was my first my first reaction to this like I, I tweeted like overall this was a really good day for democrats like a can i talk really about what a good day can i talk about what a really good day it was for st louis democrats because we yeah so your lock, lock megan green in St. Louis. Yeah. Um, so St. Louis has this like unbelievably progressive in a good way, not performative way, like in a really functionally good way. Um, a very progressive power structure now um, with Tashara Jones and Megan Green at the fulcrum of the whole thing. And like, I can't, I'm so excited that they will just be able to get shit done. There's going to be a lot of the, the, the board of aldermen is about to get cut in half which means that being on the aldermanic board is actually going to be a much more like right. it's a decent job. Super It'll pay me more. It consolidates the power. There's so many interesting things they could do. And so many things that are written in the, the way like law, like I won't go into it. So I don't bore people, but like the way the aldermanic board members have to have to like vote for each other's districts. Like there's all this weird budgetary stuff that has to happen. So the aldermanic board president is really important in the city of St. Louis. And, um, uh, we are, I think, at an interesting tipping point as a city, just economically. Like when I look around, I go, I've lived in cities like this before. 
and I can smell like momentum and I know what happens when there are a lot of places around us that are getting more expensive. Um, Colorado's getting more expensive. There's, you know, it's certainly um, quite crowded now too. So I don't know. I look at, I'm, I'm just saying I'm very bullish on St. Louis. Like I, it's, Missouri is its own crazy thing, but you're not going to change Missouri until either Kansas City or St. Louis or both add between 1.5 to 2 million people to their metro areas. Until right. that happens, like Missouri is just going to be like a burp, burp. So having this kind of opportunity to make, um, re- especially after the, the Missouri voters took uh, the, we had to vote on, a, on an amendment to enshrine into like more power the Missouri legislature's ability to set the budget for the Kansas City Police Department is like just a performative asshole thing to do to Kansas City because of that weird situation. Right. So, despite the uh, the imbalance of power that we we undoubtedly have as like normal regular human beings who believe in rule of law and all kinds of stuff in uh, Missouri. Um, I think uh, there's a lot to really be enthusiastic about when it comes to um, the two most uh, populous regions in the yeah. state right now, especially St. Louis. Very congratulations, Alderwoman. Uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Board President Elect Megan Green. Megan I'm Green. very proud yeah. of you. I'm very happy very cool. for you. Uh, let's run through the rest of these really quickly. So on our predictions, uh, we had underdogs that we liked to win. Uh, I went with Warnock. Of course, that's on a runoff now. Sean had Kathy Cortez Masto, who appears to have held that. Looks good. She I think won. It's been called. She won. Yeah. yeah, it's been called. She won. Um, yeah. Uh, and then Rachel had Tim Ryan. So we were we were one out of three, maybe two out of three. We'll see what happens in December with Warnock. But right. not bad. Not bad for underdogs. Uh, biggest surprise outcome. We missed on all of these. Um, uh, Cindy Ax- I had Cindy Axney to win in the Iowa third. Uh, and I just double checked. She lost by 0.6. So just oh, over man. a half. Oh, man. Really like, close. Oh. 1,200 votes. Yeah, 2,100. 2,100 votes. Wow. Uh, yeah, really, really, really close on that one. Uh, Sean, you had Fetterman to win early and big. Eh, it wasn't. That did not happen. Yeah, I mean. But by Pennsylvania standards, for... it was decent. I mean, it wasn't huge, uh, but it we wasn't. We weren't waiting like... all week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't su- right. as long as I thought it might be. I guess it was. Was it the next day? Yeah, it was, was the it... next day. Well, okay, no, it was that night. I... It was that night. It was that night because it was the last thing before I went to bed. Uh, because see, I was watching uh, CNN because um, it's still the only thing they do well. I think is election coverage. Um, I was watching CNN, and uh, they had a live correspondent at the uh, Oz victory party, and there was oh wow nobody. It was an empty stage. <laughs> and there, there wasn't even like the smattering of like sad supporters, like with somebody talking and some music playing and like some cocktails. Nope. There was no one. Well, he's not from there. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know. It wasn't a single he person. He must have been so like bitter and annoying towards the end. Just like, when am I going to get this was, over with? He when was am probably I just in be bed, innocent, like... like had already had some, you know, a nice nightcap. And, and pissed. Was like... No, he was probably pissed. He was probably like, what the fuck? Like stomping yeah. around and being a they total baby about win. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%. I was checking out a uh, Washington week, um, which was, you know, fantastic as usual, um, especially a few days after the election. And uh, Aisha Roscoe from NPR was talking about the results. And uh, she spent a lot of time with, Um, Pennsylvania voters. And she said specifically, without any other fluff, voters saw him 
as a carpetbagger and a snake oil salesman. And that's what they were telling her. Now you can do one of those things, but you can't be both. Those are, those are, those are just descriptions. (laughs) Those are, those are, I mean, those aren't opinions. Those are, those are, those those are just just like observations. Like these these things. Those are objectively true, provable things. (laughs) Yeah. But then I I caught uh, Fetterman came on the stage after and it was just like, just like overwhelmed. Like it was just like, it was like this regular guy who suddenly became Senator of his home state that he loves very much like a lot reacting to it like it was it was really cool uh, it was really cool yeah and then my favorite uh post-election onion uh headline came out which was just a picture of fetterman and it said uh fetterman asks oz to repeat his concession speech slowly (laughs) (laughs) it was like a combo stroke reference oh man that's so funny so good a good friend of mine who like went to the dark side the trump side um a couple of years ago um he didn't say anything i talked to him uh, we were texting the day of the election he's like yeah i think lee zeldin might might have a chance up there in new york and i was like i don't think i responded um and then or no i think i said something about i'm okay with divided government um i try to like restrain myself from telling him like you're full of shit. Like you're <laughs> wrong. Like, cause that's, you know, if I go there every time he'll stop telling me stuff. Right. Um, but he did say, it's kind of sad that someone who's cognitively impaired won in Pennsylvania. And my first thought was sad for you. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> stupid. Yeah. Like what are well, you Trump talking won there about? in 2016? So I guess it's even, uh, Rachel's, <laughs> uh, Rachel's biggest surprise was Carrie Lake winning Arizona, which, uh, does not appear that that will happen either. She certainly will raise a stink about it. So we missed on those, but uh, they were all, I mean, well, frankly, that was they kind were of all that, decent. I think that was swings. also like, I was, I wanted it to not be true. Like I, well, I that's would, why they were biggest that, surprise yeah, outcomes. If so had they that, were yeah, unlikely to happen. I just know people think out there thinking like misconstruing yeah. that and being yeah. like surprise, like it's a good thing. The, like the fact that all three of them sort of kind of like flirted in with happening uh to me it just it's just you know this is just victory lap time for us we're good at this we're good at this so tell your friends (laughs) tell your friends sign up uh who takes the house majority we all had the gop that's a lock they're gonna they're gonna take the majority the question is how like what their numbers are gonna look like like how much they're gonna have is it gonna be easy for mccarthy looks like it's gonna be less gonna be tight yeah it's gonna be really tight what's so exciting to see um so also on washington week was uh jonathan martin of Politico, and he's always super well sourced and has very smart stuff to say. And he said flat out, with his reputation on the line, Kevin McCarthy does not ha- does not have all the votes in his caucus to no. become House Speaker. No, nope. and I think some other people are reporting that too. That there are at least you know ten or so Republicans who are not willing to vote for him. And when I hopped on Twitter, I don't really ever do this, but I wanted to kind of see what people were saying just generally, I wanted to kind of get some right wing stuff in in front of me to see what they were saying. And so I typed in Trump and, you know, read a bunch of stuff and tried, typed in McCarthy and nobody was standing up for Kevin McCarthy. Every no. single person was saying this is his fault and he was a piece of shit anyway. Right. You mean the guy this- who, <laughs> who disavowed Trump and then within a week was down at Mar-a-Lago kissing his ass. You mean yeah. that guy, that Kevin McCarthy? King. That fucking coward. And I, and I feel like this guy thinks he's like a, a you know, a BDE guy. Like that's yeah. what they all have on. They all think right. that they read that way because that's how they act. And you look at Kevin McCarthy and he looks like 
uh, an older gentleman. He looks like a gentleman of a certain age. You know, he's I, not like right. a fiery young guy. Like, I think of him doing, man? the same way I think of, I don't know why this pops into my head, but it's the, it's, uh, the Sam Jackson playing, uh, guess who, you know, that guess the game where you have to be like, are, does he wearing glasses? Right. And there's right. like, I don't remember what it's from, but it's like Sam Jackson playing guess who. And he's like, does he look like a bitch? Like <laughs> <laughs> that's Kevin McCarthy. It's Kevin McCarthy. Got it. Nailed it. Oh, uh, and then we all had the, the Senate to be held by the Dems. That is already true. Uh, it's just a question of, do they get the extra seat or not? So we nailed it on that. Uh, Colorado, uh, looks like Bobert's going to hold that uh, Polis one easily. Uh, but I think the takeaway for me, we talked about a little bit at the top. The takeaway for me in Colorado is blue, 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 blue. Yeah. Democrats romped. And um, I think in, I think Judy Woodruff of PBS was just dutifully reading what someone put in front of her, but like right before the election, she was mentioning kind of that there's all these secretaries of state who are MAGA freaks and trying, you know, there, there's all these election deniers who are running for the top election spot mm -hmm. in their states and kind of without naming any names, she said like, you know, that Colorado might ditch our amazing secretary of state, Jenna Griswold, who brought us automatic voter registration and just way more in-person voting, even though we were all male already, she made it way easier to vote. Um, you can register on the same day. And then she won by, 20 points or more, mm -hmm. you know, she just trounced the Republican and yeah, I mean, all the Democrats just, just romped. Yeah. Pennsylvania, uh, Democrats took the governor's seat and the Senate, which that, that is a, uh, the Pennsylvania governor gets to appoint the secretary of state. So that is a democratic secretary of state, uh, Michigan. We talked about earlier in the show, they took governor state house across the board. Whitmer mops the floor with Dixon, who was a, Dixon was a talk radio, you know, one of these just flamethrower assholes who has no substance. Um, uh, as I say that, Trump endorsed flamethrower assholes who yes. have no substance. Yes. Uh, Arizona, <laughs> we talked about Kelly strapped masters to the rocket and sent his bitch ass to the moon. Uh, and then a uh, huge one was the Arizona secretary of state uh, where Fontes uh, won that race, uh, Adrian Fontes, who uh, is by like a lot too, like it yes. was like a really handsome victory. Yes. Uh, Keep saying that handsome yeah, lead and handsome victory. was Mark like... Fincham, who uh, was in part of the Oath Keepers. Yeah, so. like let's just let's just let's just like let's just back up for a second. Like, so w I've been sweating Arizona because there was a person who's a Most member of an extremist militia who is going to be in charge their fucking elections right and if it even looked close right like i was really looking at like how these statewide races in arizona were going to go um if it, if those seats were close if a ag uh also uh, the democrat one um uh the only uh i think the only one that's still outstanding is lake and the last time i looked she was uh certainly losing um but fincham would have meant that it that it wouldn't have meant votes were no longer going to be in a, a thing in Arizona and yeah. seeing the rebuke of the movement in Arizona in the way that I have makes me feel like the Republicans as a party have to, if they lose one more state, they have one more state to lose. They have Florida, like that's locked. Like they got Florida, but if the Democrats are successful in in turning another state into something that's just they have so many georgia needs a, like a little right. another push over the line of one more state even if it looks like georgia like did like 
you know, a midterm and a half ago or something. Right. Or like the Republican up Pennsylvania, taking like yeah. Virginia out of play. Yeah. If the, like if the Democrats do, if they do something like that to a state with a decent amount of electoral votes, the Republicans are going to be an ex party. We've never been in this position before. I don't know what that means, by the way. I'm like, I'm not like, oh, it's going to be awesome. Like, I'm not, I'm not predicting like joy for no, us. The I'm last time this that... happened was the 1850s, which was a precursor to some pretty bad shit. Yeah, so we we still have some uh some some tweaking to do, but to see because power doesn't just disappear, it'll just I think I think what's gonna happen is that money's gonna just pour into the Democratic Party, and it's gonna we're gonna need more approval voting, and we're gonna just have to kind of keep the ball rolling constantly. We'll never be able to rest. But no. as far as like are militarized extremists going to be holding key election spots in swing states in 2024, and the answer, thank no. fuck, is no. They're yeah. not. And what's so, so that's a oh, good. Go it does Arizona, real quick, Sean. Right. It, yeah. It was in Arizona, really... Hobbs is, it does look good. Uh, 93% of the vote is in Phoenix. Hobbs is up. 93% of the vote is in, and she's been breaking basically two to one. So it, it certainly looks like Hobbs is going to win the race. And right now the question is margin. So cool. Yeah. And so, um, I have a bunch more stuff to say about the Senate and all these races. Yeah, no, um, go for it. Cool. Yeah. So like what's really neat in Arizona is that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of Democrats were worried that the messaging around, you know, democracy and these threats to democracy, as well as abortion was not hitting with people the way that it needed to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what I'm realizing is that usually in my mind, you know, democracy and voting, uh, aren't super compelling to voters, kind of like the conventional wisdom. You know, it's like they're more concerned about about their financial prospects right. and, you know, their their kids and everything. Um, but here, you know, we really did have a choice rather than a referendum, you know, and like that's the big thing. Like we mm -hmm. did have a Democrat set it up and Republicans obliged by going along with it that we're going to have a choice between a party that does not respect the outcome of elections mm -hmm. And and one that does and that will stand up mm -hmm. for our system even when they lose. And then among that set, this is what was kind of lost yeah. in all the polling, I think. Among that set of people who vote, turns out they broke more towards people who would uphold the results of the election. Right. You know? What a shocker. And people who participate I, in elections. Right. Like <laughs> the results of the elections in which they participate. Yeah. And you know the messaging was working. Because, you know, anytime, you know this as well as anybody, Sean, right? If, if you have a good message, you know it's working because the other side will respond with a counter message. It's the, it's the way that Democrats respond to the crime message by giving stats and all this extra. So it's like that's how you know that that lands because they don't just ignore it and brush it off. They feel a need to explain it away. And if you're looking at the last few weeks, Republicans were pushing really hard this narrative about in 2016, Democrats questioning election results and things like that. I, I, I flipped a Josh Hawley tweet around because he was trying to do this. And I just was like just pointing out the very obvious difference between saying the way an election was administered was inequitable because it because the rules made it harder for people to vote in general and saying that votes were changed after the fact ex post that a fucking election was literally stolen by counting the votes and then removing the votes 
everywhere all the time in a very specific way where those are fine. No, hold, stop counting over there. Correct. We have enough. Those are not the same thing. Saying that the way election laws are being administered is unfair and inequitable in a constitutional way towards different persons, whether it's geographically, racially, whatever, and saying that election results are being changed are not the same at I'm going all. to I'm going to say what they were trying to do they were trying to make the, totally. they were trying to make the logical equivalence there I think like what I have accepted is that there's just an old way that human were you I didn't want to cut you off Sean are you still like oh no I had one last visual yeah that I yeah, wanted, go ahead. that I go forgot ahead. to do so Arizona I talked about this on high country and then it made the national news a few days later as so many things do but <laughs> but I talked about <laughs> the uh the armed oath keepers you know hanging around ballot boxes and that's what hit me this morning i was like i wonder what the voter turnout among those dudes was and i bet it wasn't 100 percent. i bet it was pretty less. low i bet it was low. right because a lot of them probably don't believe in voting and i think that you know we saw it in the results well that's what Absolutely. i said about the whole Ma- that's why i thought the whole maga thing was really gonna kind of flail is that when you uh, oh exclusively when the only appeal you have is amongst the i'll call it like the lunatic friends right People that live outside the realm where reality is important, where truth is the enemy. It's why they burn down newspaper buildings and bomb them when they have, you know, um, violent uprisings in countries and so forth. Anyway, and we had that here. We had that here. We had that here. Right. I think yep. a lot of it was Maryland. still very much a response to COVID and fear and all kinds of like just uh, a lot, like a lot happening to us at the same time. And when you build your message on those people, you have to hope the violence works. Because that's all you have. All you have is their willingness to be violent. They don't participate in any other way. And so we were lucky that that bit of violence, as horrifying as it was, and I think it will impact a generation of voters, I think there's going to be people that were 15, 16, 17 years old, you know, maybe even as young as 13, who were, you know, watching the horror film of January 6th unfold, watching some of the hearings with their parents, and like, because that stuff read well, it was dramatic. The way that it was all presented was so concise and their violence wasn't adequate and they don't vote. They don't get involved in local politics. Like they're just people that have, um, for whatever reason, a very complicated racist belief system where they think that their country is in so innately corrupt. They have to live outside of an organized system within it. So I think that's a really good point, Sean, that as much as they might, they might protest these things, they don't actually participate in them. And if the guy who had run, I already forgot his name, Fincham, um, if his yeah. movement towards state government had been successful in a state as populous as with as much with as many people as Arizona, um, we would be living in a very different country in a couple of years. But it didn't fucking work. Like it just didn't. Yeah. That was uh my last thing I'll say is uh that was Dan Balls, not me, who said that this was a a choice and not a referendum because yeah. I didn't hear I haven't heard anybody else make that call but you know everyone talks about it beforehand you know the Republicans want it to be a referendum on Biden the Democrats want it to be a choice and it definitely ended up being a choice the the issues of abortion yeah. and democracy were very visceral yeah. and even if it wasn't in the polls three months after it happened it was still in people's minds I just snapped for Sean you guys can yeah, see it but absolutely. I just want to like have my audio on and be annoyed. Yeah, I think we can uh, officially say that Jamie uh, Jamie Harrison uh, beat the pants off of Rana. 
Romney and McDaniel. So. <laughs> yeah, Republicans are really upset at Ron and McDaniel too. The mix yeah. is their thing. I mean, right that's now. that's. Listen, here's the thing: if you sail to victory, you get the credit. If that's you right. if you fail in battle, you take the responsibility. That's what Ron and McDaniel would say to someone in a completely tasteless and inappropriate way. So you know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's 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 taste the victory and move on to uh, the last call. Last call. Okay, the last call. Uh, it's a way, 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 way too early. Sorry, I was trying to pour a whiskey and do the audio at the same time. I fucked that up. Uh, it's a way, 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 way too early look at uh, 2024. Uh, because even though we're gonna, we are gonna refocus. You know, on the main show, we are not gonna spend a ton of time on the who is or isn't gonna run uh, in the next six months. We'll let the national already, media do that. Already and, sick of it. Yeah, we'll. we'll <laughs> We'll, we'll catch up to that when it's time. I'll Don't worry. Never get sick of it. Well, I, I love it. I love it. But we'll we'll catch up to that as a show. You know, maybe we can do a. Oh, we'll get to why I'm sick. We'll get. To, like... We'll get to what I'm sick of when we get down to yeah. the. Maybe we can do a separate smaller show that just focuses on the presidential election by itself for a while to just to to highlight that. But I think yeah. once there, I think once maybe once we get into the swing, we can get into yeah. it. But I yeah. I don't know. Well, we'll if, get, if Biden's the idea, man. yeah. But the, the, the main reason for the way too early look, okay, uh, number one, abortion is not going away as an issue. Uh, a bunch of states, Missouri could be one of them, uh, a bunch of states did not have time to get a ballot question on for 2022. And in the states where a ballot question was able to be put on, uh, like, I don't know, Michigan, for example. Kentucky? Kentucky. Right. Kentucky. California. Kentucky rejected a <laughs> rejected. ballot initiative. They pulled a Kansas. Yes, exactly. Yep. In, in in Michigan, where the Democrats won, swept the state, they had a referendum on. Hmm. I wonder if that might have possibly could have. We talked about Kansas. Help the turnout. Help the turnout, baby. Yeah, we talked about the organizing in Kansas that happened around the August referendum and how that would have created a base for Sharice Davids and for Laura Kelly. So abortion is not going away as an issue. The Supreme Court's not going to change its mind in the next two years. You know what I would do if I was the House leader, the GOP House leader? You know what I would do? Immediately propose a bill to legalize abortion? Hell yes. That's exact yes. Absolutely. Hell yes to the That's just what you would do in any case. Like, that's what I would do. Right, but I'm so, saying like as the, you, as the, if, you're, if you're the House leader, why wouldn't of, you propose a bill that legalizes abortion and puts strict limits on third trimester, partial birth, right? What, however they want like to say that stuff that is like statistically doesn't happen, but however they want to put that in there, right? And they say, here you go, we'll we will pass a federal law today that makes abortion legal, and now the Democrats have to vote no on legalizing abortion. No, that's not why I would do it. They would totally vote to do it. All of them would vote to legalize abortion. In a heartbeat, they would do it. Um, And uh, the reason I would do it if I was the Republican House leader is because it kneecaps Biden. And there's nothing that is... And I'm not being cynical, by the way. The reason I'm saying it like this, the reason I'm talking about it like it's this absurd notion is because it is, because nobody in a senior leadership position in the, in on the Republican side in the house of representatives has the courage 
and the political will to stand up and go, I'm going to do, I'm going to do the right thing. This is ridiculous. Yeah. This is insane. I, you know, I'll, I'll lose my career for this. I don't give a shit. I'm just going to do it because it's the right thing. I know that, that there's other, I know there's other Republicans that will join me and then it would get to the Senate and then it would pass and it's over. And anyway, the reason it's absurd is because they're never going to do it. There isn't that person. Yeah. Don't have any political imagination. This is the dog that caught the car, like I keep saying. And um, because it's not going to go away as an issue, they are giving all of the motivation and all of the momentum back The Heartland Pod is a production of Midmap Media, LLC. Follow us on Twitter with at the Heartland Pod. With email, you can reach us, heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com. Online with heartlandpod.com. Subscribe and please sign up for our Patreon with patreon.com slash heartlandpod. Become a podhead or an official podgressive today and unlock all of our content. See you at the next show. <laughs>